Hello and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm Jess and this is the podcast where I talk about life's toughest topics with lots of different brilliant people. Today's episode is Let's Talk About Weight. I'll be joined by Boston Clavering, who happens to be my aunt and my best friend, all wrapped into one. We're going to be having a really honest conversation about what it's like to live in today's society as women who don't fit into the pre-prescribed societal box when it comes to weight, body image, and how we can love ourselves like never before. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Hi Boston, welcome to Let's Be Honest. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being my first guest on my very new podcast. I'm excited. How do you feel? I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited for this adventure to get off the ground. Me too. So this is a brand new podcast that I've wanted to do for a long time and I'm really excited to actually, as you said, be getting it off the ground and I'm really honoured that you are my first guest. The point of this podcast is to bring light and honesty to really difficult topics Mm -hmm. and things that are tough to talk about. And today we're going to be talking about weight and how we felt on our journeys. One of the things I wanted to talk about is body image Mm -hmm. and how that works in society and how we're told a certain body image is what we should achieve and work towards. And, you know, I think I know a lot of my friends and I've done it myself just you you end up really sort of killing yourself to get to a certain standard that isn't obtainable. Sure. So how how have you encountered body image and how do you feel like that's affected you? Well, I really, um, I was really thin growing up. I didn't have a, uh, an issue as I wasn't a chubby child. I was real thin growing up. And so I didn't really, I didn't really experience those issues like a lot of people who were heavy in adult years were also heavy as children and I I didn't have that experience but what I found was um, when I became a a heavy adult the the easiest way for me to deal with it was I I I used being heavy to just be out of the race so it it was really easy to not be in that competition so for example in my mid-twenties, I was probably about your age when mm-hmm. I started kind of getting heavy. And um, my friends were all either, you know, dating or married, or sometimes they would be broken up and they would be trying to set each other up with, you know, guys or whatever. And they conveniently were never trying to set me up with anyone. And mm. um, How did that make you feel? Well, a lot of times I didn't really, I didn't really click in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always happy to be the fifth wheel because I'm really outgoing and I'm really comfortable in pretty much any social situation. Um, and I'm pretty happy with, you know, my personality and with people. So I didn't really lock in on it being necessarily a body issue. And I don't know if it was or wasn't. I'm mm-hmm. not a hundred percent sure. I've talked to a couple of girlfriends after afterwards, uh, and because uh, I'm still good friends with uh, quite a few of them, and a couple of them have said, you know, you weren't really ever open about, mm. you know, about wanting to have a boyfriend. Like we all were moaning and bitching and moaning about, you know, either the boyfriends or husbands we had, or that we were lonely and didn't have. And you never talked about being lonely. You never talked about wanting a boyfriend. Right. And I think part of that was that I did have the walls up. I wasn't looking for a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure some of that was weight related. I'm sure that I didn't want to be in the competition. And I would notice that like my girlfriends would go to the gym all the time and they would, you know, one would say, okay, well, I was on the treadmill for 20 minutes and the next one would be, you know, I I got on for 30 minutes or whatever. Mm. It was a constant battle. And I loved that my weight sort of set me apart that I didn't have to play in that game. So even though it's a brutal, brutal game that women play, or I'm I'm sure both genders, but especially women, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like my weight really sort of kind of relieved me of that because... It sounds like you had more of a freedom than though I really did. did. I took advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there were certainly times where I didn't, I didn't like um, being heavy, but I liked some of the benefits it gave me. Mm -hmm. 
um, for sure. I definitely think there were some real benefits, which is one of the reasons I think I've hung on to it for a really long time. I think I gained weight for one reason, and I think I kept it for another, which, That's is, so interesting. which I think is what most people mm-hmm. do with any kind of addiction or any yeah. kind of thing that they lean on is, mm-hmm. you know, you start smoking for one reason to be cool and you keep smoking because <laughs> you're an addict and you can't stop because yeah. it's no longer cool. Right. You know, that's so interesting. And obviously I mentioned it in the intro, but you and I are family. You're yeah. my auntie. Yeah. Um, so you and I've had a lot of conversations about this subject and many, many others. And I've never heard you talk about that in, in it sort of being a comp- competitive thing or a competition between you and your friends. I know you and I have talked about how girls and women can be really mean to each other mm-hmm. and I think it was you actually that told me many years ago when we were just talking about clothing or something that you said you know girls dress for other girls you don't really dress for the guy because the guy truly doesn't care right you know if you've got a great personality he doesn't care if you're in heels or flats and if he does then that's a bigger <laughs> issue, a issue yeah. you know so and it's kind of the same thing of like this idea of you know body image and that you've got to be this perfect hourglass shape and you've got to not have any cellulite and not have any sort of roles or imperfections on your body and of course they're not imperfections but society has told us that those things are under the category of imperfection yeah I feel like um when you mentioned that competition thing it's women that are are getting in shape for other women. Yeah, the sad thing is we're we're sort of driving this, I think, because um, men are a lot more forgiving Mm. than women are about how we look because... You know, we sort of blame it on men in one in one sense because we say men are visual, and they are. You know, they are visual beings in a lot of ways. You know, women really need this sort of emotional connection a lot of times when it comes to, you know, sex and romance and and partnerships. They really need this emotional connection, and and um, and men can just kind of go at it and just be physical or whatever. But the the other hand is that um, the physical for men is really is really a raw. It's a really raw. It's an urge. It's not a specific. It's mm-hmm. not real. It's not a real critical, yeah. criticizing thing. And so it's like. And for men, there's a you know, being the fat girl or being the fat woman, um, and also being like really outgoing and really comfortable in my skin for a long time. I've had many 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 male friends really close male friends a lot of men want to talk but don't talk to each other right and a lot of times they don't of course they're afraid to talk to the girl that they're a woman that they're attracted to so mm-hmm. they talk to her best friend which is always me you know and a lot of men um they don't they don't notice you know what size a, a woman is or or mm-hmm. or if she has cellulite or anything what they notice is oh my god she's looking at me oh my right. god she you know she she and wants to have sex with me what are you women. what are you talking about mm-hmm. me you know yeah they're thrilled um with the attention or that because they you know they keep their insecurities to themselves mm-hmm. they don't talk about it with each other when we talk about it with each other we either talk about it in terms of does this look fat? Do I look fat in this? Does this look good on me? Or we talk about it, um, and you and I were talking about this the other night. We talk about it in in terms of projecting of saying, you know, you'd look really cute with a short haircut, or right. you know, can I do your makeup, or you know, would you like to try this on? Ways of sort of we're not trying to cut each other down, but there's this sort of this undercurrent of projecting. Uh, of how to improve each other yeah. <laughs> because and for whose standard and right. for whose eyes There's you some, know because you know guys will tell me and have told me before what's sexy to a guy is jeans and their favorite football team's jersey right uh, you know a woman wearing that is way sexy right. barefoot you know mm-hmm. or whatever so the stilettos and the makeup you know like what's way unattractive is like metallic eyes you know whatever kind of (laughs) glitter they're like get that away from me like that is just Mm -hmm. so unattractive Mm -hmm. to a guy but I will go into a restaurant and see a woman with you know really done eyes and I'll go wow that's fabulous you look so put together and a guy would just go ah gross and that's not to shame or put down on anybody who 
loves makeup or what no not at all not at all because there's it's fascinating and it's it's beautiful and you know and and if a man didn't like it that's irrelevant you should be doing it for yourself or even if you want to do it for other women or whatever to a happy life or to a successful relationship yeah if you think you're if you think you're doing it for a guy it's just like a guy who's growing a big burly beard (laughs) if you think you're doing that to attract a woman pretty much 90% of the time you're probably wrong there are the 10% of women who love that big burly beard you are not in that time a lot of times you're really going to get the big comments from other guys you're going to go dude that's a great beard right but not a lot of women are going to go that's my favorite that's my favorite yeah definitely you know so exactly what you're saying that it's it's sort of men who compare muscles for against other men at the gym right and it's women who say gosh i wish i had her waist or her thighs or whatever you know we we're constantly in competition with one another when in our minds we think we're doing it because the people we want to us or want to be attracted to or want them to be attracted to us we think that's what we have to do and of course we don't yeah you know you can't hear that you're beautiful because Mm -hmm. you hear it from your mom and you say well she has to say that right right? and you can't hear that a man you know what a man finds attractive is confidence Mm -hmm. and the the surest way um and and not just men i mean this is women too women who who date women you know the 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 sexiest thing to me or to most people is is confidence Mm -hmm. right and it's very hard to hear that if you're not confident, right? right? So the first thing that makes you feel not confident is looking at someone who you feel looks better than you. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that gives another person a clue that you're not confident Mm -hmm. is for you to make a comment about the other person. So that's the biggest turnoff is, is to start you know, coveting someone else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all go through that, trying to get comfortable in our own skin. And that's sort of, you know, what we're Mm -hmm. talking about is learning how to get comfortable in a skin that is different than other people's. And, you know, we're, we're all different. We have to learn how to celebrate our differences Mm -hmm. and, and maybe sort of understand what's uncomfortable about my skin versus your skin. Yeah. You know, just kind of understanding Mm -hmm. that. I think it's really frustrating for a lot of people and I'll say people because I think men get forgotten a lot in issues such as body image or weight you know unfortunately and I do see it changing in the way you know young young boys are being raised by their mothers but currently we don't live in a society where it's greatly and openly celebrated for men to talk about their feelings and obviously you know we really want that to change but so men deal with these issues as well so I say people and not just women but as a woman myself you know I can say that it is really frustrating to have what seems to be this really cookie cutter template of this is what you have to be to fit in to society or to be deemed beautiful and of course when you have all of these huge forces of you know the media and pop culture working against you that agree with those templates Mm -hmm. and celebrating you know the people that fit into that and of course we have so many more examples coming in now it's it's a it's a great time in history for that Mm -hmm. there's more and more women of bigger size of color in the lgbtq community that are being celebrated Mm -hmm. and not left out of what is you know um I don't want to overuse the word celebrated, but just recognized in our society. And Mm -hmm. that's a wonderful thing. But it it does bring up the question, which we all should ask of, you know, why, why should I have to fit into that template to be considered beautiful, acceptable, talented? You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem fair. So it feels like there's a big fight for people that don't fit into that, which I consider myself not fitting into that template at all. Sure. Um, and then that takes you down the rabbit hole of feeling bad about yourself. And then you start putting your self-worth into this template that somebody else has created. I was, was talking with a friend of mine a while ago that, you know, if those things never existed, uh, you know, you would never judge yourself or you'd never look at yourself in a bad light. You would just say, right. this is me, here I am, you get on with your happy life. And right. so it seems, you know, that those things go further than just, oh, I've got to get to the gym and squeeze into a size, you know, four dress. It, it really becomes an issue of mental health because people get depressed and people 
start to value value themselves less and less absolutely you know absolutely and and also people buy into your story so if there is a um a real belief that you have that your value is your weight or your size or you know uh, well, first of all, we all have a certain size, okay, uh, uh, that you can you can't go past, okay, and um, like for one of my girlfriends, maybe it's ten pounds up, and then she's you know on X diet, and then you know that ten pounds comes off, mm-hmm. and that's that's her leeway or whatever. And another girlfriend, it might be thirty pounds. <laughs> for right. me, it might be a couple hundred pounds, <laughs> and that's it. I'm not going past that. But you know, yeah. everybody's got a certain amount, and yeah. and someone might look at me and go, Oh my God, how can she go past that ten? pounds or that 20 pounds or whatever it is i remember so funny said this it just reminded me of something you know and obviously this podcast is called let's be honest right where you know i've decided that i'm going to be really honest and vulnerable and of course i know i can count on you for that but i'm hoping my guests will obviously be that but i remember um when i was i weighed myself and i had not been doing very well emotionally mm-hmm. you know a lot of stuff had been going on in my life and I ha- I weighed you know and I was on the scale and I never grew up in a house that had scales right my mum and dad never weighed themselves it wasn't I, I never had like a number focused journey with weight as a childhood right excuse me as a child or a teenager but for some reason I would just weigh myself and this was a couple of years ago and I remember I was like 198 and I went oh my god you are two pounds from being right. 200 pounds and I was horrified and scared I was like how had you done this I'd put on, you know I'd put on about 20 pounds I was like oh my god oh my god and of course I'm definitely over 200 pounds now right and, if, and now I'm just like well Remember when I used to be 198? That was great. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Well, so it's funny how your your markers change because I was horrified. You know, at my slimmest, not my slimmest, but when I was, you know, happy. Um, and you don't really care about the number, but the number does help you have a guide. But right. I was, you know, in a size. Carefree. <laughs> I was in a, you know, clothing size that I felt comfortable in. I felt lighter. I didn't, you know, have as literally as much weight on my body. But so I was, I would say like 170, 175. That was sort of, right. you know, if I was 180, that was go, that was my five pounds, <laughs> you know. Stop, stop, turn back. You know, and, and then 192 horrified or 198 horrified me. And I'm like, those are the this is what's really funny is this this happened you were living at our house when mm-hmm. this happened before you had moved and um what was really funny was one time <laughs> i was doing the opposite i was doing really well mm-hmm. and i had come down because of course you know my highest was 350 pounds and that's when i met my husband and um your uncle of course but yes. um you know, so for, for me, the journey has been different than for so many women who, bless them, have, you know, met their partners at their thinnest weights and then they've gained weight. And so there's so much shame associated mm. with their weight and their feelings of being naked and vulnerable in their bedrooms so and sad. in their own homes and yeah. in their marriages and, and stuff and feeling like, oh, my God, I've put this weight on. And what have I done? Right. It's, like it's, it's so this terrible, horrible exactly. thing. Exactly. It's, it's, it's unimaginable to me because I'm in an I'm in a fortunate position that that has not been my experience Mm. but anyway that that's been my highest weight so at whatever point I did you know really well on one you know one diet or another and then on Weight Watchers one time I lost 140 pounds through through a year and a half that is incredible it was really incredible I mean I thought I just thought I couldn't what length of time did you do that it was a year and a half wow and it was inspired by someone I saw who had lost 60 pounds that I had known and I had seen her you know I had seen her after she'd lost some weight and she was short. So it mm. looked like, you know, a hundred pounds or, or more or whatever. Right. And I, I was so gobsmacked when I saw her, I mm. thought there's no freaking way I could lose 20 pounds, much less 60. There's, n- there's no way. And then when I was able on Weight Watchers to do this, and then I got to 60 pounds and I just kept going and kept going and was doing it healthy and was happy and was, you know, whatever. I just was shocked. I was just shocked that I was able to do that. Mm. But anyway, and I maintained it for a couple of years. But anyway, at this time when you were living with us, I would say I was probably about maybe 275 or something like that. And I was starting to go down. (laughs) This is really funny because I hit about two... 
260 or something like that. And, uh, and then I said something like, I said, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm I have sad. no idea what you're about to I say. I know. Here. This is so funny because I, I just had this really just happy feeling. And I just said, I'm about, I'm just about 60 pounds more than you are. Like, I was so excited that I was coming down. Like, mm. I felt like I was reaching a normal place. And you looked at me like, oh, my God. What have you just <laughs> done to me? And it was completely innocent. God bless you. It was totally innocent. But the reality was, it was like, not like the 198 to the 200. It was like... <laughs> it was like an elephant sat on you or like you were, it was like you were like 60 pounds from being you i mean it was that's so, horrible well, i it, can't believe i, I did mean, that i'm and so then, sorry well, no, it's just it was just I mean, but it was it was that's the last this is the last episode I was <laughs> it was sweet it was actually quite sweet i was very was young so, i was like it was, 10 i mean that it wasn't. was so innocent i mean you were so sweet it was mm. it was very but you much know, do you know i think i was talking to you as an adult right mm. and i was seeing you as like you know, I, I, not I wasn't even looking at you gaining weight. I didn't even take that into consideration. I was just right. looking at you being a mm -hmm. normal adult. To me, that wasn't heavy. You know, right. I was so excited about getting close to getting under two hundred pounds. Did I say pounds. something, or was it just a your look? face just went white, like you had seen a freaking ghost, and you actually started crying? No. As you did. And then, of course, I was horrified because oh, I thought, oh, I've scared her. I've oh. scared her so much. Well, for those of you who don't know, I have some... <laughs> I'm not joking when I say this. I have some memory problems. I have like gaps in my memory, and I literally don't remember that. Well, it was it was it was very small, but it impacted me in such a way that I realized, you know, our relationship is so multidimensional, mm -hmm. and you know, you you were a kid when you came yeah. over, and you were going through so much, and that and that weight gain at that time was mm -hmm. so emotional, which we were going to talk about emotional weight versus physical weight yeah. and all of this as well but you know your that weight that you had gained that 20 pounds was very very much emotional weight mm -hmm. so you were already at 198 like 198 emotional pounds were, were right there on the surface and I was like woohoo here I am just coming down you know and I was thinking yeah. of 200 pounds as a typical person would would dream of a Hollywood you know 110 or whatever because right. of course my to me, mm -hmm. two hundred pounds is is what I call skinny me. <laughs> I mean, I use that word skinny, yeah. and I don't use it in jest. I'm not laughing right. when I no, say. No, it. No, I mean, no, I yeah. really think that I look thin. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have body dysmorphia, but sort of the other tall. way. <laughs> you're very you're, you're very tall. Yeah, but you... I'm not eighteen feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is. But you're five foot ten. I'm you know, five that's, foot ten. That's tall for a woman. That's six inches taller than than the average American woman. So it weight is. looks I'm, different. It you know? does, and I do carry it well. And two hundred pounds on me looks good. Mm -hmm. I I don't mind being heavy. I don't. I have big boobs. I have a big butt, and I don't mind mm -hmm. um, carrying some weight. Two hundred looks okay on me. I'm fine with that. Right. Um, I'd be so, okay if anyone <laughs> now crossed the threshold <laughs> to the other side into a world where I never thought that I'd be in the two hundred club. Um, you know, so now I getting back down to that would would be fine. You right. know, but it is scary those uh, you know crossing those um, those marks. But mm -hmm. you know, I was just kind of thinking about how everybody has this certain thing that you would never cross, whether right. it become comes to has to do with weight or mm -hmm. drugs or number of marriages or whatever it is that is your that is your vice, your or, thing, yeah. your vice or your addiction or your taboo Ism, or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and I just, um, I just had a hard time sort of defining that. And, but one of the reasons for me, I think is that, um, weight brought so much good things to me, so many good things to me, even though, um, society, that's why, that's why I've had a hard time, I think, losing it in a lot of ways of course dieting is hard of mm -hmm. course the older and the fatter you get the harder it is to lose that's right. just the physics of it you know and the and the gravity of it is it's really difficult to do um but there have been so many benefits 
uh, of the actual weight for me mm-hmm. that um, I don't want to let go of it sometimes. What do you think, or what would you say some of those benefits are? Because well, that's not a, norm, uh, not, not a normal, but that's not a common statement that people make is that weight has brought me uh, benefits. So I'm, I'm yeah. really interested to hear that because so many people associate weight with shame or being yeah. stuck, you know, yep. so... And there's, there's such a thing and as, um, you know, being fat phobic, which I think so many people are. And I've been following a lot of amazing people on social media. There's this girl, I think her tag is like Body Panda. Her name's Megan Crab, and she's incredible. Mm-hmm. And she's a girl that um, struggled with anorexia and now is what you would call a healthy weight. Mm-hmm. And she is a body positivity activist and she's amazing. And she poses this question of, well, why is fat bad? Why do people look at it as a bad thing or have shame around it? So Mm -hmm. I'm really interested to hear that side of of your story. I think that um, what what it has to do with, um, for me, is that um, I'm a sexual abuse survivor. And um, I didn't have ongoing sexual abuse, but I had two major incidents and one was a molestation and one was a rape and one was the molestation was when I was um on my 13th birthday and when I was raped I was 17 and both were by people that I knew uh one was a friend of the family's and uh it was my sister's not boyfriend but who in my mind I thought was my sister's boyfriend it was it was a, a guy that my sister had a crush on but he was a friend of the family's and then the other guy was someone that I worked with and he was married and had a child but I felt like I had called those things on myself. Um, mm-hmm. The first time I was sort of dressed up for my birthday and I was trying to feel pretty and, you know, so and, and we were alone together. And so I felt like I felt like I was stealing my sister's boyfriend. That's what I felt like mm-hmm. at 13. And of course, it was obviously not that it was obviously um, just an act of violence. And um and then when I was raped, it was, uh, again, someone had said, several people had said that this guy had a crush on me, and I thought that was crazy. He was married and had a kid, and, and we were all friends who, who worked at this um, record store. But anyway, um, because someone had said he had a crush on me, and then this happened, I thought, oh my God, I didn't see it coming, and I, I called this on myself. So both of those things happened when I was really thin, right? So for me, a thin body is a weak body. It's a, it's an unsafe body. It's an unprotected body. It's a body that gets taken advantage of or taken for granted. It's a body that's not protected. It's a body that doesn't have power, right? And it's all subconscious. This is when I look back as an adult, this is the journey that I sort of took. And, uh, I started gaining weight, um, uh, I sort of, after I was raped, I sort of said, okay, I'm never going to have sex against my will again. Mm-hmm. And what that turned into, which is very typical of, of some rape victims or sort of, you know, never have sex again and some sort of over-sexualize and, you know, it's a, everybody has their own journey. But for me, what that looked like was I'm not going to have sex against my will. Therefore, I will make the decision to have sex a lot because if anybody sort of smiles at me funny or is nice to me or whatever, just in case they're thinking about having sex with me and I'm not expecting it like this guy, then I'm going to go ahead and and present that Mm. option. So I ended up, you know, having a, being very promiscuous at a young age. And this was against sort of my moral fiber and what I wanted to be, but what I th- felt was sort of survival for me. Didn't really understand it at the time, but looking back, that's what I did. And I started gaining weight because I think I didn't really know how to say no, but I knew that I wanted to kind of stop sleeping around. Mm-hmm. And I was very clear when I was being promiscuous that I wasn't in love with the guy, or maybe I was in love with the guy, but sometimes I wasn't, but I knew that I was just sleeping with someone mm-hmm. to sleep with them, or I knew that I was, I felt powerful because I was making the decision. No one was telling me what to do, but I began to tire of that whole routine. And so, um, but being a people pleaser, I had a hard time saying no. So I, anyway, I eventually I gained enough weight and what I found out is 
fat people have sex Mm. and fat people are very attractive Mm -hmm. and it is not fat that keeps you from having sex. Mm -hmm. It's it's not that the skinny girls get the dates. It's not that uh, fat people are very sexy and very empowered and very alluring if you have that confidence. And what I had confidence in was my sexuality because my belief system was this is the one thing that you're worth. This mm-hmm. is the one thing that you do well. Had you had sex before that incident no. happened? When I was raped, I was a virgin. Mm. So so that was my belief was this is the one thing you do well. This is the one thing you're worth. Right. So I went on to have sex and be good at it and think that that's what my worth was. Mm-hmm. So. So as I grew larger, my, my, I think my subconscious was trying to push men away, believing that society says the woman who's got the hourglass figure that's t- or that's real tiny is going to get the man and the fat girl's not. Right. And the reality is, because back to what we said about men, you know, especially a woman who's walking up saying, hey, I'm going to have sex with you. There's no strengths attached. You don't have to call me in the morning. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, you, I'm not going to be your girlfriend, but it's free. It's, you know, and it's safe. I wasn't getting many turndowns, right. you know, and so the fatter I got, but continued to have sex and continued, that actually fed my confidence mm-hmm. and I became a heavy person with a lot of confidence, but I was having sex that I didn't want to have. Mm-hmm. So it was just, there was a lot of mixed signals and a lot of uh, screwed upness, but what it created mm-hmm. in me was a person who was heavy, mm-hmm. but who was sexually confident. Right. So the fat eventually helped me let go of having sex with a lot of people. I eventually stood my ground and let go and was able to say no. And then when I met my husband, I was my heaviest. Mm-hmm. And you, there does come a point where maybe I was embarrassed to be naked or maybe I pushed away men mm-hmm. a little bit, I became less, um, less assertive with it. Yeah. And, and so anyway, all of that is to say that being the belief that that saved me from being this weak, thin person who was going to continually be raped, continually be molested, continually be hurt by people who I loved and believed in. Mm-hmm. I was grateful for the weight. Right. I was grateful for the weight. I was grateful to be out of the competition. Mm-hmm. I was grateful. I looked around at my friends who were in unhappy marriages and unhappy relationships and boyfriends who were cheating on them and this, that, and the other, and I thought, I don't have to deal with any of that. Mm-hmm. I can sleep with who I want and get confidence from them, and then I can move on to the next thing. Yeah. I didn't deal with any of the loneliness at the time. Right. Because I still had my friends in the daytime, in the in the light of day, mm-hmm. I had lots of people who loved me and were kind to me, and my confidence carried me through. Sure. And you're obviously in a very happy marriage. Yeah. Um, how do you feel your relationship with your body and with weight changed when you went from, you know, being able to be with whoever you wanted, but then being with the person that you really wanted to be with? Did you feel like your relationship with your weight and your body changed when that, you know, time came when you were married and you met? Wayne and you guys started this life together it did it was interesting because I was I was very experienced and he wasn't and um and you know the only regret that I have of course is that I I would love to have never had sex with anyone but my husband right you know because you know I, I didn't I didn't necessarily, as a little girl, want to be a virgin until I got married, but I certainly wanted to be a virgin until I was with a person I loved, mm-hmm. a person that I loved, and that that didn't happen for me. But um, but I felt so secure with my husband from the very first time I was with him, and we've been married now for 20 years, mm-hmm. just celebrated our 20th anniversary. And Congratulations, that's amazing. It's, it's, and, it's, and it's just... I mean, it's better all the time, mm-hmm. and I feel completely safe with him. It took probably five years of complete, total safety with him before I even looked at the possibility of losing any weight. Mm-hmm. And when I told you I saw that friend, it was five years into our marriage before I even thought that there was a possibility that I could ever lose any weight. Right. Because I thought that that could never happen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but he has never once even seen my weight. He just doesn't even see mm-hmm. that as, as part of me. Yeah. I mean, he just, I mean, he sees my struggles mm-hmm. and who I am and the product of all of the struggles I've been through. But man, he just sees me as sexy and wonderful and great and mm-hmm. beautiful at, at any weight. Mm-hmm. He, in fact, I got really upset with him when I lost 140 pounds. I was down mm-hmm. about 60 pounds. And I mean, everybody, nobody noticed for about 50 pounds because I was so <gasps> heavy. Did not say anything? I was so heavy that nobody noticed for about 50 pounds because you don't notice right. when you first, but all my friends were noticing, mm-hmm. right? And he didn't notice. And I got really upset. And we, you know, we don't argue no, about anything. Don't. Yeah. So one night I just said, it's really upsetting to me that you know, I've lost 60 pounds and you, and you haven't said a word and you haven't noticed a thing. And he said, he said, Boston, I don't see your weight. I've never seen your weight. I don't, I don't notice anything. You don't look any different to me. And it was strangely comforting and strangely upsetting. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and I really didn't know how to sit with that. And I was grateful for it. But then there was one day, probably about 10 pounds later, which was a couple months later, you know, he put his arm around me mm-hmm. and he said, you feel different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, okay, that's good. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. He, he felt it. But it never crossed his mind to see me in an, any different light. Mm-hmm. You know, he's seen me at 200 pounds and he's seen me at 350 and he doesn't see me any different. Mm-hmm. He's seen me at 30 years yeah. old and he's seen me at 50 and he doesn't see me any differently. Yeah. So he's amazing. Yeah. I think a lot of people um, deem fat as not sexy and how could you and it's you know people are so terrible about people with any sort of weight on them you know the the standard classic horrible names that people Mm -hmm. you know they compare people to it's funny how women especially Mm -hmm. always get compared to an animal whether you're a cow or a pig or a bitch or you know (laughs) there's male whales you know um you know we always sort of get dehumanized in Mm -hmm. that way and I think a lot of people dehumanize fat people Mm -hmm. and I specifically using the word fat because again we're proposing this question of why is that a bad word or why is it a bad thing to be right and of course some people would come along and say well there's health issues and of course you know there's there's two sides to every story but but why is it bad to be fat let's let's just try and even propose the question we don't have to answer it but I think that's important to bring into into conversation so I think a lot of people say oh you know they're disgusting or how could you ever and that's because they're wrapped up in their preconceived you know notion of what what it means to be fat or they've never loved a fat person and I feel that way with you um like you're talking about with Wayne you know I don't see your weight and I don't I don't think like I would love you any more if you lost weight or love you any less if you gained you know um but a lot of people I think struggle to see fat people as sexy or even realize Mm -hmm. how could a fat person physically have sex or how could they attract a person or you know I think it's probably a lot of people listening to this would be quite shocked that you had this confidence to go in and get whoever you wanted yeah and obviously you're living proof and that, my skinny girlfriends couldn't believe it right i would be like i would walk into a, a bar or a restaurant or wherever we were and i'd be like that's the guy i'm going home with mm-hmm. and they would be like come on i'd be like i'm just telling you right you know mm-hmm. so don't even try mm-hmm. with that guy because that's the one and it, it is a matter <laughs> of confidence you know it is a matter and there is something about that uh, that people and and you can't do it in a a snotty way, right? But I mean that was just kind of a warning for them. Mm-hmm. But I mean you 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 have to sort of uh, stake your claim in the same way you're doing this podcast. You know this is nobody said to you um, you're allowed to do a podcast, right? And nobody said um, would you like to do a podcast or nobody said what qualifies you to do a a podcast or whatever you just said I'm doing a podcast (laughs) and this is what I'm calling it and you're you know you're going to be a guest on it you you took that um step and you're confident enough to know that you can do it Mm -hmm. and nobody's going to challenge you because of that confidence trumps everything it does confidence trumps everything everything and speaking of trump that's why we have the president we do is because confidence trumps everything I mean honestly Mm -hmm. if you have no 
if you have no qualifications but you have confidence, you can do anything. And that's the and thing. You can, you I didn't can have guide qualifications. Lot of people that's into right. whatever belief you that's want them right. to have. You say things with authority, and people believe you. Mm-hmm. And you know, and um, and then sometimes you start to believe yourself. And mm-hmm. that's what I sort of did. Is I grew into myself, and right. I grew into my fat, and that was really mm-hmm. you know a good thing for me. But Fat, you know, people call names and 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 stuff. They have a hard time with fat because it's like when when we were talking about you and the and the you you forgetting that you you know looked at me like what when I said you know sixty pounds and I'm going to be your weight and you were like oh my god and you couldn't remember that because you, you absolutely didn't feel that way about me right what the shock was was that you could not fathom that you would be a fat person. Mm-hmm. You were already in horror and shock and whatever that you would hit 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. And the thought that you would ever go 60 pounds more than that mm-hmm. would mean you'd have to kill yourself. You know, I mean, that's the feeling that came <laughs> along with that, right? It's ridiculous oh, it's now, so but that's terrible. the feeling. But there was zero judgment on me. Right. That's the bottom line mm-hmm. is when you think about how we treat ourselves and how we treat our friends you've got to learn how to speak to yourself the way you would speak to your friends mm, i'm terrible you cannot that. speak to yourself mm-hmm. any differently than you would speak to a friend yeah and when you get that lesson and you start practicing it and you really become mm-hmm. honest and truthful in that yeah. your life changes mm-hmm. your life changes and you become because then you're allowed to be who you really are when you're confident and you're and you're supported in that, you're allowed to be who you really are. You know, uh, this this um, song by the Fray on Godly Hour has has this line. Um, you know, the best way out is through, and that's a, from a Robert Frost poem, I think. But it's like you you have to go through these painful things. Mm-hmm. But once you go through them, then then that past is gone, and it allows you to have a future that's. Um, that's undefined or that you can define or that you can create. But if you don't go through that, that sadness or that pain or that difficulty, then that dictates your future. Your future is defined by that. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that. I don't want my future defined by something that happened to me on my 13th birthday. Mm -hmm. I don't want my future defined by, you know, that is a part of my story. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to be my story. That's not going to be on my tombstone. That's not, you know, I want, my 20th anniversary or I want, you know, whatever things that, that, I, that I've been a great friend or that I'm, you know, a good therapist or whatever thing mm-hmm. I want to be on my tombstone or, or for people to remember me by not the girl who got raped or the girl who was fat, you know, mm-hmm. those are parts mm-hmm. of my story, but they're not who I am. Yeah. You know, I've been, um, learning through experience and conversation with different people that, um, you know, having extra weight or being at a weight that you don't feel comfortable with, it in no way um, stops you from the real things in life, which are relationships and loving people or being able to sit there and and give somebody a hug probably actually helps in that situation. You're a lot more of a soft landing right. and, and a cuddly place, but it doesn't stop you from cooking a meal for your family and sitting down it doesn't stop from being a listening ear it doesn't stop you from you know having those wonderful connections the real things in in life that you know That's no matter right. your race age nationality all those things that people would say these are really the important things in life you mm-hmm. know it doesn't stop you but yet we allow it to and I've really dealt with that as I've put on weight that I've not wanted to be on my body yeah, yeah. you know um I've really just been terrible to myself and mm-hmm. felt such shame mm-hmm. and such grief mm-hmm. for the loss of of not being where I was sure. um and of course like that takes a lot of self-exploration to understand okay well why do you feel shameful or why do you feel you know grief about this but I had this experience you know a couple um I guess a couple of months ago and I went to sleep with a completely like normal for me stomach smooth skin everything and literally overnight when I woke up in the morning and looked in the mirror I had these stretch marks on my stomach Mm -hmm. 
honest to God, it looked like a tiger had scratched me. And it right, was overnight. Right, right, right. I was like, literally, I was like, do I need to go to the hospital? Or what has happened? Right. And for some reason, my body just decided on that night, oh, we need a little bit of extra room. We're going to stretch out a little bit and, and leave these tiger claws on you. Right. I almost had a breakdown. Sure. I was so upset, so horrified. And, and the fact that it happened so quickly, it almost felt like it was without my consent. Sure. Um, well, it was without your consent. Right. <laughs> didn't ask for it, didn't sign up for it, didn't say, all right, I know it's coming on this day. Yeah. It was just this thing I had to deal with. Um, and I, somebody that I had known and, you know, had sort of seen me at, what I would say is, you know, was a healthy weight for me or a weight that I considered to be, um, oh, I'm, I'm all right with this, mm-hmm. you know, with that smooth skin and without those stretch marks, saw me again when I had gotten those, you know, when they'd moved in rent free. And <laughs> he made this comment up and he literally gasped and he said, did, did your cat scratch you? Mm. Because that, and is he's a good man and he he was not in any way being right, right, right. malicious or mean or making fun of me he really thought that and he had the same reaction that i had when i first saw right, them right. but that just crushed me it mm-hmm. felt like oh my god i'm ruined mm-hmm. i'm ruined now right right i will never this will never not be somebody's reaction when they right, see it right. i cannot and i found <clears> myself and we're going back to the name of the podcast here, let's be honest, because mm-hmm. this is how we connect. But, you know, I then went on and I started talking to my male friends and looking on YouTube videos with, you know, do men really care about stretch marks? Do men really care if women have extra weight? Like, for God's sake, I was going to YouTube to answer that question for mm-hmm. me of, like, mm-hmm. you know, what are the, what videos people made about this? Or <clears throat> what are people saying? What's the conversation? Right. Um, and I was looking... At, what I really wanted to find was, was, was men saying, of course not. No, it doesn't matter. And I did find a lot of that, which did feel really validating. But because of that experience and because of my already made up mind that this was a horrible thing I couldn't quite be convinced Mm -hmm. you know that that it would be okay um and I so I've been on this journey of like "Mm, so what if you haven't doesn't stop you as I said from cooking dinner for your family or watching a movie with your mum and dad or connecting with your grandmother or going doesn't really it doesn't stop you from anything in life and a good loving person who is going to end up being your partner whether it's for that night or that's the person you're going to be with the rest of your life obviously if they're worth their weight in salt let alone gold they're not going to care it's because we've already decided or I already decided in my mind that I didn't like it and it was therefore a ruining factor for me right but it's interesting you know this this notion of grief Mm -hmm. um I was talking with a friend a while ago about the fact that grief is not just um the sadness of something that the has been removed or lost it's the sadness of something that never was Mm -hmm. you know and I never got to be that you know cookie that girl that fit fit into the cookie cutter you know preset template right um and so therefore I guess I thought I maybe walked a harder journey or a harder path and so it's I think a lot of it is unlearning that behavior sure a lot of things that we see in our childhood especially as um girls you know and even and men too but you know going right back down to the disney and what our mothers mothers told them and therefore they passed down to us that you know look pretty and be quiet and don't you know that will fit you into the box it's it's unlearning a lot of behavior Mm -hmm. that we had set into us sure absolutely and you know a couple things one is that that man that you that you will uh end up being with forever no No, oh i thought you were talking about that guy no Um, i don't hate him i I want to make that clear that he really did not of course you know it was the the same discovery that you had it was a shock and it was something that he hadn't seen but but the guy i'm sure he feels terrible (laughs) (laughs) that you uh, end up being with whether like you said it's for for the night or for the for the lifetime or whatever is going leonardo DiCaprio will not mind he's going to not only be okay with he's going to love your stretch marks because it's part of you and it's part of your story right because believe it or not there are people who 
and I don't mean in some kind of weird fetishized way, but <laughs> that just love every part of you. Right. Every part of yeah. you. And that's scars included. Mm-hmm. Whatever that My is. My mom always says that, that looks, to me. You yeah. know, that's your journey. Yeah. That's who you are. But the other thing I was going to say is for these cookie cutter girls, mm-hmm. one thing that I've always thought about too, mm-hmm. e- even being little and growing up, I've always thought that I've felt a little bit for really, really beautiful people. I've felt a little bit. I really mean that (laughs) that I think it's difficult because there are really beautiful people, and depending on their parents and, and what society has told them, that haven't had to develop other parts of themselves because right. they've gotten a free ride with being that's attractive. That's their VIP ticket. Yeah. That's, their, that's their ticket. And if their parents um, or their teachers or their, uh, you know, environmental uh, authoritarians or leaders or whatever haven't shaped them and said, you are more than your looks, you know, mm-hmm. you have more to offer, then there's so much wasted. Right. Because pretty is pretty mm-hmm. and pretty and fades, fades and it goes away and whatever. Mm-hmm. But but we're losing valuable souls. Right. Right? You know, it's like we're losing people who are dynamically creative or, you know, incredibly talented in one way or another because they're able to walk a runway or they're able mm-hmm. to take a picture or whatever yeah. because we say, you look really pretty. Yeah. And, um, and that's, and that, that's always the first thing that people say to each other. Yeah. Oh, you look so great or you're so beautiful, you know. And that uh, you know that's i think i think a lot of women get told yeah well and you have to watch that as a and you'll see that as a mum and as you know as you nanny or have nanny does you have to really watch that with the little girls you Mm. have to say you have to really watch saying you're so cute and you're so pretty it's important to acknowledge those things with all children Mm. to some degree uh, but it's important to say to little girls, you're so smart and you're right and you, you're important and your thoughts you're matter creative, and, you're cr- yes. and you're courageous and you're brave and you're uh, you brilliant. You run so and, fast right. or, you know, uh, all you of those so things. And, and you're pretty, mm-hmm. you know, and just like you're a handsome little boy. But, you know, we we tell our boys all kinds of things without saying Mm-hmm. You're good looking, you know? Right. Um, and uh, so we have to be careful because mm-hmm. we start those messages early without meaning to. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because, you know, you put a little tiny girl in a little dress and you just think, God, she's so cute. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. just an instinctual thing right. that we have to break. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can't go at it by trying to make people ugly right. you know but we have to def- we have to broaden what beautiful yeah. is well if the generation <clears throat> of people who are you know going to be having babies next or this generation can really unlearn some of the harmful things that they were taught then the next generation has hope well and we, and we all do that minded. we all do that and every generation does get better at mm-hmm. it every generation yeah. gets better and our gener- well not my generation but your generation and y'all y'all are so much better about um inclusivity and and diversity, diversity and yeah. and just welcoming each other with love and and at face value and it's such a joy to watch it's mm-hmm. such a joy to watch because that's how i was raised even though my parents parents weren't that way mm-hmm. and my parents are from the south and you know there's a lot of constructions and archaic ideas and and stuff and and how they were raised they are very open and very mm-hmm. inclusive and I was raised differently than they were raised yeah. and um and I'm very fortunate but mm-hmm. man the the kids today are I think just really really blessed mm-hmm. to to have the open-mindedness mm-hmm. and and welcoming to each other yeah uh, and a lot of a lot of kids still have trouble yeah of course and but. i think for those parents who are very adamant that they won't have a fat child or that that is such a bad thing in their household i'm very lucky i never had parents that mm-hmm. were like that i had <clears throat> such great parents in the way that they never pressured me into any sort of you know preformed box or you must go to college or you must do this or you I never had any of that my parents really celebrated me for who I was and whatever it was that I wanted to do they were very supportive but for families that do pass that on to their children you know we have a crisis on our hands 
that isn't being talked about Mm -hmm. and that is the crisis of mental health and so many people think for people who are in a in a body or in a weight that society deems not good enough too fat not not attractive any you know we we talked earlier about you know the emotional weight versus the physical weight and i really do believe that there's nobody who is and none of us are completely mentally healthy we Mm -hmm. all have some form of mental illness but there's nobody who's really in a good place that's piling on weight where everybody who piles on weight is because of something mental and emotional going on Mm -hmm. i will at least say that that was definitely my story. I won't project that onto other people. Yeah, but. and I and I think the physical manifestation of the emotional issues are are obvious. Right. So those who are bulimic and um, and yes, that goes uh, both ways. Not piling on weight, but it also is is eating disorders. To right. So the, the people, underweight, the people who get smaller, smaller, and smaller, and smaller. In my opinion, the 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 physical manifestation of getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller is the desire to disappear. Right. Right. And that is for whatever reason, mm-hmm. whatever the hurt is, you want to disappear. Mm-hmm. And for me, the bigger and bigger and bigger I get is right. I want to be heard. I want to be noticed. I want you to know. You can't that, miss me. I want you to yeah. know that something, something has gone terribly wrong mm. or something went terribly wrong yeah. and I need to get through it I need to go through it I want to process it or I needed to at some point mm-hmm. I, maybe I don't need to hold on to the weight now yeah. it's a but, protective thing Ayan Levanzant always says you know women who have extra weight on them that's a um subliminal message to say back up sure get up off me you know it's a protective literal protective boundary of sure don't come in and maybe that's because we live in a society where that we've deemed that, well, I'm, you know, less likely to be sought after if I have this weight on. So that's the protective message of stay, stay away. Sure. Um, you know, so I've definitely felt that of like, I think as I'm going through this emotional, you know, trial last year, I had a really horrible breakup and I lost a friend and a lot of emotional very very heavy stuff Mm -hmm. that you know can sometimes feel like you're wading through you know golden syrup or molasses for the Mm -hmm. americans (laughs) um you know you just feel like i can't take another step you know i think that's the the correlation of you know you put on weight because that's how you feel i really do believe in in manifestation things become physical and there's a lot of people that say that about other illnesses you know absolutely that um and in no way am i saying people bring illnesses on themselves consciously or you know that they deserve them Mm -hmm. but there are people that say you know cancers and really horrible illnesses come from you know mental and emotional stresses or things that and obviously some some horrible illnesses just happen and they're terrible Mm -hmm. and and again absolutely nobody deserves them or can be exacerbated by that yes exacerbated not necessarily that it's the root cause or that's the sole reason why but absolutely exacerbated by and you know because people forget we are emotional spiritual beings having Mm -hmm. a physical experience Mm -hmm. so how could our physical and emotional life not be reflected in our oh, physical sure. body. If you, if you, if doctors have, have have proven, you know that you you can literally die from stress, mm-hmm. which is not a physical occurrence. Stresses. Right. I mean, you can have physical stresses, but you can certainly have emotional stresses, mm-hmm. and you can have stresses that don't have a um, a tangible action mm-hmm. related to them. Um, or a tangible occurrence, um, but people are dropping dead from stress, then clearly there's a mind and body and spiritual and emotional connection that, that science can't deny. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think science tries to deny it. I think there's many, many, many doctors, lots of Western um, medicine, people who are connecting the mind and body mm-hmm and soul and spirit connection together mm-hmm. and saying let's try different modalities to, yes. to work together but I think it'd be interesting to see if if we didn't talk at all I bet we could communicate pretty well just by the manifestation of how mm-hmm. how our illnesses mental and otherwise yeah. manifest I also know. think it's really interesting that cultures that are traditionally more healthy you know than others the Japanese 
the Thai, you know, those cultures. Yes, that that are traditionally Mm -hmm. thinner or lighter or have a really healthy diet. They're also the cultures that very traditionally practice meditation. Absolutely. And Zen culture. And isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. You know, America is probably the country with the the most obese people in the world. Mm -hmm. And I would probably say that it is the country that's the worst zen. <laughs> being zen and sure. we have got obviously there's lots of countries that have violence and but america is just it's about entertainment and go 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 there's lights everywhere everyone's on all the time it's so like rushing there's mm-hmm. so much traffic there's so much people you know there's just a million things going on no one could breathe no one could take a second because you know, unless you hide in your house and don't turn the news on, you don't get a break because it's just go, go, go all the time. And that's just the well, way the culture is. if you get a break, is. like you, mm-hmm. you can't take a break. Yeah. I try to lock you in this house. <laughs> Not really. But I mean, I try to lock you away from all of the stuff that's going on outside. Yeah. And internally, you have to be working. Go, 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 you go, have go, to go, go, go. go, go. Yeah. I can't turn that off inside of you. Yeah. You know, so it's like you can't get away from I it. I get even. that from my dad. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. But, yeah. um, and, and I also think that family plays such a big part in other cultures, you know, the, where it's really normal for two or three generations to be living together and mm-hmm. for the old and young to take care of each other. And, you know, that's so normal. Like in our society, the sandwich generation, which is like my age, that's mm-hmm. taking care of their children. Wayne and I don't have children, but if we did have children, I'm right at the age where we'd be taking care of kids. Some would be going off to college. We might still have some at home, but our parents are getting old enough that we might have our parents moving in. Right. And that's put so much stress on all of us whereas in other cultures it's like such totally, a normal thing totally normal. and it's totally that's just how we live our lives and we all love each other and mm-hmm. we take care of family and that's what we did yeah. you know i think that's a really interesting comparison that, that i've never thought about that before it came to you while you were talking you know mm-hmm. that the cultures that are more healthy and more balanced and probably more happy are way better at zoning out and taking care of their mental health through things like meditation and rest and prayer and you know practicing that sort of spiritual body emotional balance mm-hmm. and and they have a better success rate than and family yeah and, and, family. and they don't go move to the other side of the country or the other <laughs> side of the world because who you know, on earth are you talking I'm just about i've Americans. never ever moved from england <laughs> To Georgia, to L.A., to Florida, to Georgia, to L.A., to back again. But Americans, you know, I mean, America's so big that Mm -hmm. there's nobody who lives near their family, pretty much. Yeah. We all just... The South's probably... It's crazy. Probably best of that. Yeah. Well, we've come to our hour. That went so fast. Yeah, absolutely. This has been an amazing first episode of Let's Be Honest. Thank you so much for being a guest. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I really wish you so much success on your podcast. I know that it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to hear who all comes on next. I I love the um, layout that you have for the guests you have upcoming, and I can't wait to I can't wait to hear who else you have. So thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Let's Be Honest. Be sure to follow us across social media using the tag Let's Be Honest, the podcast. And tune in next week for a very special episode. Bye.
Hello.